we could catch the revelation of that Amen. and sing it then. My, oh, my. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's just go directly to the Word tonight. Thank you, Brother Marion. Thank you, musicians. We're going to read from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. That song, Rising Up, I think we had one of our convention services here a few years back. And we had some good singing and such. And young man came to me, Brother Darren Boyer's son. He must have been only nine years old or something. And he said, I like all the songs you guys sang, but I got one problem. You never sang the New Testament church rising up. <laughs> I thought, my, they must sing it a lot in Grand Prairie. So <laughs> Daniel chapter 9. This is after Daniel had set his face to the Lord in prayer. Verse 20. And he had waited on the Lord and prayed his prayer. Let's just catch this here now in verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for, th for the holy mountain of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me, and he talked with me, and he said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give, you, to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore... Understand the matter and consider the vision. Now, this is what he has to tell him. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to bring reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. What a time. What a, what a prophecy, first of all, but what a time to be living in. <laughs> Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we've come in tonight. Our bodies, our flesh may be weary, may be tired. We may be bombarded with the things of the world. The natural man may have been beset. Our minds may be going in many different places. But now, Lord, we want to put that aside. And we're asking, Lord, we have a spirit man, we have an inside man that is also needing to hear from you. And Father, we're asking while we've gathered here, we're not just filling time because it's appointed, but we're coming here because we're needing you. We're craving you, Lord. We need you in this hour. And we, we ask that you would come and visit us and meet with us and speak with us, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you. May have your seats. It was about, I think, a little over a month ago. We had played a part of a tape um, on the sixfold purpose of uh, the uh, Gabriel's visitation to Daniel, and we had stopped it. And the Lord willing, I want to conclude on some of that tonight, but. I'm going to really take this in a different way, and I'm going to probably introduce this in a way that I haven't done, but I want to do it so that we can appreciate it. So turn with me also to Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. And I want to read from verse 6 and 7. And it shall come to pass in that day... I don't know how many times you can look in the Bible, but it speaks of that day. That's a great day. The great day that we live in. It'll come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. In other words, it's gray and 
You're, you, you, there's no clarity. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at the evening time it shall be light. Now, I'm going to read something Brother Branham would say in 1965 in the invisible union of the bride of Christ. And he would say these words, I am thankful to God to be living at this time in the closing scenes of God's history. I don't know, but if I would have had a say-so before the foundation of the world and God would have laid out the whole program to me and said to me, I want you to preach. And now, what age would you desire to go to the earth and preach? I would have chose this age, for I think this is the golden age. I would have loved to be here during the time of his visit to the earth, but still I think this is a greater time because it's a time that he's coming to take a people that he's redeemed. It's nearing the resurrection when all the redeemed will come forth. Oh, what a glorious opportunity we have to speak to a dying people. What a great time. We are enthused about it. I know it seems like drudgery sometimes. I know it seems like we're dragging ourselves sometimes. But when your inner man is quickened, I don't know about you, but I wake up some mornings, I feel like as dead as a doornail, wherever that saying came from. But I, I feel like that, and then I, I don't even feel like praying. Brother Ed, you're a preacher and you don't feel like praying? Yeah, I don't sometimes. Because I'm tired, I'm weary, and I'm thinking about everything ahead. But then I'll just sometimes put on a tape a little bit. Or sometimes I'll just go and start to read the Bible a little bit. And I don't know, but something begins to move. Something inside begins to say, wait a minute, there's something greater going on here. It's more than my eyes can see. It's more than my flesh can handle. I've got a purpose that I'm living for. I don't look at the end of uh, what will happen at the end of a pandemic. I got something that reaches far beyond that. And something starts happening. It's quickening power. And it's resident. And it's working every day. What's keeping you? Quickening power. Brother Bannon would say, history is closing out. The world's history will soon be over. We're going to step in a new day. The great millennium. The physical return of the Lord Jesus to take a physical people glorified by his cleansing blood. Now, sometimes we need to see the bigger picture. Sometimes we need to see beyond do this and do that and don't do this. Show up at church at such and such a time. Make sure you're prayed. Make sure you read your Bible. Make sure you do. Sometimes we need to see something more than all of that. And sometimes it's not just, it's like when you're going to the mall. Now, I would have expected more amens than that. Um, anyway, but if you're going to the mall and you, you need to go to a certain place and you're looking for a store and you don't go there enough that you don't know where the store is, so you look for those little directories. And when you come to those directories, it gives you an overall map. And when you look at that map, it, it has a little designation and there's a little dot and it says, you are here. And I always wonder, how do they know that I'm here? Okay, don't worry about that. So anyway, but it tells you geographically where you are in that whole map. So now you see, I'm here, and to get to the store, it's way over there, and to get this, I'm going to have to pass the water park, I'm going to have to pass this storm. So it gives you some bearing, it gives you some focus, and now as you start walking, you've got this in your mind, oh, there's the water park, here's such and such, here's this and this, I'm getting close, and I know I'm close because I've seen the map. I know where I'm moving. I know where I'm going. And in this end time, God did not leave us without seeing the big picture, without seeing the map. We're seeing where Israel's at. We're seeing where the church world is at. We're seeing Sodom and Gomorrah again. We're seeing the days of Noah again. So God's given us this picture. 
Now it's a great big picture, but he goes and he gives us details about the picture. And he will begin to tell us when you see, you know, the Protestants begin to unite with such and such. When you see Israel and Rome starting to move together. When you see such and such happen. So when these things happen, it quickens us. I'm moving along in the map. We're not back there anymore. We're getting closer to exactly what was going to be fulfilled. So we see these things. So Brother Branham himself grew weary and he grew tired. And one morning in 1960, he was laying on his bed and he was sitting there and he was 52 years old. I think 50 or 52, something like that. Had his hands behind the back and he says, if you're ever going to do anything from the Lord, you better start now. He felt like he hadn't done very much. And while he's laying there, a voice said to him, would you like to see beyond the curtain of time? And he said, oh, it would help me so much. And so immediately he was caught up into another place. And when he looked, he looked back and he saw himself laying on his bed. And he was in another place, in another world. Now, I, you can hear all of this in the message, The Rejected King, in, in 1960s, in, in May, May 15th. This was three days before I was born. So I, I feel like this was a wonderful time to be born. But at any rate, he goes there and he, he sees sisters and brothers. And he, now he's seeing something that gives him hope. This is what you're preaching about. This is what you can't see with your natural eyes. But this is what you've tapped into. There's something that, that you're laboring and you're doing. Here's the end goal. Oh, if we could see tonight beyond that curtain, if we could see tonight, we wouldn't sit there and just think, oh man, when's this going to be over? When, when's this service going to be over? i got to get to so-and-so. I'll tell you what, we would view the service differently tonight. We would view sometimes the commonality of gathering, the commonality of a daily prayer life, the commonality of listening to tapes and being disciplined. It would cause us to say, press in, do a little bit more, do everything you can. Because this is what it did to Brother Branham. And he would see the saints and he would do all of this and, and I won't go into all of it. But he comes and he says, it was such an atmosphere of perfect love. And it said, this is what you preach, the Holy Ghost was. Oh, and to think I was scared of this. And he says, and, and then he talked about the people that were there. You were born a leader. You'll have to be judged like Paul was judged. You mean Paul will be judged? He says, yes, and you'll be judged by that. He says, oh, well, I preached every word that Paul preached. And, and he says, I did all of that. And the people screamed and said, we know that. And we know we're coming, we're going with you someday back to earth. Jesus will come and you'll be judged according to the word that you preached. And if you're accepted at that time. Now if you would say, and if you are, if you are accepted. But you know what? That, it didn't stop there. It said, if you're accepted at that time, comma, which you will be. <laughs> oh, that seals it. I love that part. What, I, what authority that is. <laughs> and you will present us to him as trophies of your ministry. You will guide us to him. And together we'll come back to earth to live forever. Do I have to return now? Yes, but keep pressing on. And he would say, oh, it, it, it did so much for me. Now, we won't see visions. We may not get that kind of a translation. But we will get a little rapture every once in a while as God drops something in for us on purpose. As a joy comes into our heart, as the word is received and it gives us strength and it lightens us, it does something for us. 
That's why I, I don't believe we're just here at, at church to, you know, I, we're not here for the purpose of just, you know, clean this up, do this, and beat on people. No, it's about presenting the vision about where we're going. I'll tell you what, when you see the vision of your going, what do I have to do to get there? You mean that's all I got to do, pay 10%? Oh, that's nothing. Let me do that right now. You mean all I have to do is just serve him and do that and I'll have eternal life? Yeah, let me do that. Why do I, I don't need to be persuaded. I'm in. I'm all in. So Brother Branham would say, Easter seal, take the world, take anything you want, but give me Jesus. Amen, I love him. He's the world to me. And because we're a part of him, I'm a part of you and you're a part of me. Oh, Christian, what an opportunity. We have opportunities that St. Paul never dreamed of having. We have opportunities that Enoch and Elijah and them never had. Opportunities that we have now. Now, if there's one little sheep somewhere, I'll not be satisfied till he comes in the fold. I've, I've really thought about some of the different ones, and it's become a part of the fabric of my life. Maybe different ones that we know that are astray, and different ones we're waiting for someone to come in. I, I say, Lord, one more time. At the end of time, one more time. Now, I, I, if we could look, I'm sure we could see beyond the curtain, they would be cheering us on. And they'd be saying, press the battle. And we're really living, as an Ephesian said, as the dispensation of the fullness of times. So there's been different times in the Bible that have been prophesied that have spoke to this time. And I, this, this is just something God's been dealing with me, and, and Lord willing, we'll, we'll do it. But there was types that were fulfilled in part, but not to the fullness. There was, there was you could take anything from, from Abraham offering Isaac. You know, he went up to offer him, but it wasn't fulfilled in fullness until Jesus came, and he, he fulfilled it. There's other types that have been in part. There's other types. But there's been different times God did things that were, would speak of a time to come. So we've been taking time speaking on the Babylonian captivity, but then we've been speaking about as much as God had them out for 70 years, at the end he would restore them. And there would be an anointing of restoration. So tonight, I, I don't, I don't want to minister long because I want to just play part of this tape now. But I want to do something a little different. And if we could... If we could interview just a few people from that time, and just to catch a little glimpse, and I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I just want you to think about this for a minute. So we're, we're going to just go beyond the curtain for a minute. I've got the interviewing instrument in my hand, and I want to speak to somebody over there. And this guy's name is Haggai, and he was a prophet at the time of, of the Restoration. So we want to speak to Haggai. Haggai, I, I just want to speak to you. I, I just want to speak to you. Yeah, yeah I'm just here waiting, waiting on the coming of, of, of fulfillment of things. And so you spoke about the glory of the latter house would be greater than the glory of the former. Can you tell me why you did that? Did you never see Solomon's temple? He says, did you never see how glorious that was? He says, and did you see how it was destroyed? Did you see how we're brought? But I don't know. One day I woke up and God told me Solomon's temple was only a type. The latter temple will be greater. Something came over me and I had to speak it. And I, I don't know what it was, but I know it speaks of a greater time to come. Okay. Thank you for that, Haggai. That, that was wonderful. I, I just want to speak to this other guy over here for a minute. His name is Zechariah. He was also a prophet at that time. Excuse me, Brother Zechariah. You, you spoke in, in, in the Bible about the day of small things. Yes, I did. He said, what do you mean by that? At the end time, there'd come a restoration message. I, I don't know. I, he says, it won't be 
something brand new, but it's going to pick up all the little pieces that were left undone. It's going to take the, the unfulfilled part of water baptism, what the reformers didn't do, and I don't know, it's a day of small things. Can you tell me more about that? Because I noticed in the scriptures to follow, you said more about that, and you spoke about a headstone. Oh, man. He says, the headstone, let me tell you. He says, when that headstone came down, it was shoutings of grace, grace, grace. Oh, man. It was nothing that man could do. It was what God was doing. Oh, grace was coming. Grace was poured out. Grace was there. Wow. Okay, okay. Zachariah, just, just take your beside yourself. Just hold on a second. Oh, it was too much for me, he says. Okay, I, I got it. I got that. And you just lived in the time of the prophecy? Not the time of the fulfillment? Okay, okay, I got that. Okay, there's another guy here. Brother Ezekiel. You lived in this time. Ezekiel, you spoke about this wheel in the middle of a wheel. Oh, don't you know? That's a revelation that was held Throughout the whole scrolls, there's a secret part inside of it that goes to the heart of God. I think Moses, I could never understand why Moses would tell God a better thing to do, but it was something inside of Moses that seemed like it was a part of God. I, I couldn't figure it out. With a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And so, Ezekiel, that wheel in the middle of a wheel, I noticed that there's four anointings that are, that are all around, and you saw that, oh... Have you not read my chapter 1 of Ezekiel? you got to go read it. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll read that. Thank you. Uh, but, but there's four anointings. Oh, man, it's tremendous. So, so Ezekiel, tell me these anointings. Oh, well, we, the anointings, I'll tell you, it was like these creatures. One, one was a lion, and one was, a, one was like an ox or a calf, and the other one was like a man, but the last one was like an eagle. Oh, man, that last one. Okay, Ezekiel, calm down, calm down. Yeah, calm down, Ezekiel. Yeah, okay. He says, okay, um, tell, tell me, Ezekiel, what, what's this about these dry bones? Oh, you don't know about the dry bones? They were dead. They couldn't do anything. But something spoke to me. And it began, and there's a noise that began to happen. It wasn't the work of man. It was the work of God. It was dry bones. And sinew came over them. And they began to speak. And it was a valley. Oh, but what a noise when they came together. Okay, Ezekiel, calm down, calm down. Okay, my, my, uh, Ezekiel, you know, so you also spoke about a sanctuary, chapters 40 to 45. Oh, that's the glory of the tabernacle to come. You know, all of this was happening at the same time, and then Ezekiel turns back, and he, he's just talking to me, he says, by the way, what age are you from? I said, well, I'm actually, right now, I'm out of Laodicea. It's about to be the tribulation. Ezekiel's over here. You are from where? Wow! This guy's from Laodicea! Man! I would love to be there with you right now. Oh, it's really bad. You know, we got COVID and we can't really... Oh, forget that noise! You got something greater going on! <laughs> What are you moaning about? You've got the glory of God. Nothing will stop you. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I've hit my climax and I haven't got to the service yet. Oh, you need to talk to Daniel. Yeah, I was actually going to talk to him. Daniel, Daniel, can you... Tell me, because you lived in the time of this restoration. Oh, <laughs> what a time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I won't go into, you know, we'll, we'll do the, save some of this for another interview. Daniel, you know, about how he's at the king's meet and how he had a dream, or the king had a dream and he couldn't find an interpreter. Yeah, he says, you know, I, we were as good as dead men. The king was going to kill all the wise men. And then God in His grace showed me this dream. And it wasn't just for Nebuchadnezzar, but I think it was for me. 
and I think it was for the children of Israel and all that would live down through the ages because these kingdoms that would come and right down to the iron and the clay and the toes. Oh, I tell you what, it was so real. And I'll tell you what, I know that the God of heaven will perform this. So Daniel, at the time that you met this angel, Gabriel, oh man, I don't know why me, why he picked me to show this great mystery. This is what spans time. But he, he would tell me there's a six-fold purpose what, what age did you say you're out of? I, I, well, I'm actually out of the age of Malachi 4. You're out of... Have you not listened to the tapes? Daniel, 70 weeks? Have you not listened to the sixfold purpose? Do you not know that you're living in the time of the fulfillment of these things? Okay, I, I went to get all that part so we could play the last part of this message. Is that all right? <laughs> Do you appreciate... Listen, you may not know this, but Malachi was also a prophet that was there at that time. We'll conduct an interview with him another time. Is that all right? How many love the Lord tonight? Okay, we're going to just pick up for the last part of the service, the rest of this tape. We'd listen to the first two parts of the fulfillment. Now we want to listen to the last. This is not just history. This is not just drudgery. This is God speaking to us. Do you love him? Amen. Let's put this on. Friend. Oh, amen. Yes. You know what I mean? No. To make an end of sin, of unbelief. That's what he's coming for. Amen. And this 70th year of Daniel, 70th week, brother, coming to make an end of sin, put it away. You understand now? What's the first? To finish the transgression? To make an end of sin? Number three? To make reconciliations for iniquity? Here's writing it down. I had about six other scriptures there, but I'll just pass over it because it's hot. We don't want to take too much time. I want to get as much of it as I can, but not hold you too long. All right. To make reconciliations for iniquity. Iniquity is doing wrong. As they did at the cross. He made reconciliations, but it will not be applied to them. It was not applied to them. Why? Because they were blinded and could not see it. Amen. And why did they blind? You say, well, maybe today because I'm blind. You're willfully blind. Amen. They were blind because God blinded them, but you're blind because you're willfully blind. There's no reconciliation for you. If you believe not, I am He, said Jesus, you will die in your sins. That's right. Now, let's turn back to Zechariah again, the 13th chapter. Now, let's listen here. Make reconciliations. Now, we're... This, I was looking for someone here to hear this, but maybe the Lord will get it some way. In that day there shall, in that day, Dr. Schofield has here in his footnotes or his paragraphs, headings, the remnant, the repented remnant pointed to the cross to make reconciliations for iniquity. Iniquity is something that you've done wrong that you know better that you ought not have done. Amen. If I conceive iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Now, in Zechariah, the 13th chapter, let's begin at the first at the first verse. In that day there shall be a fountain open in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanliness. There shall be a house open. Go ahead. We can just read it on down. I want you to mark that so you will read it. But now I've got marked out here to start at the sixth verse and read to the tenth. All right. Let's read now and see. Read to the ninth, brother. 
And one shall say to him, that what are these wounds in thy hand? Then he shall answer those which I have was, let's see, answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against the shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Uh, now, Jesus quoted that scripture. See? Smite the shepherd, and scatter the sheep. But notice the next paragraph. He just quoted that much of it. But watch what the next sentence of it says, the next part of it. And I will turn my hands to the little ones. Oh, amen. What? has been made. Israel will be saved, every one of them. Let's turn to Isaiah. The uh, Isaiah, the 66th chapter of Isaiah. And read just for a moment. And see what God says about Israel being saved. How long it will take to save Israel. Watch how quick it will come. And Isaiah, the 66th chapter and the eighth verse, if you want to read it all. All right. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made and bring forth one day, in one day? For as soon as Zion travaileth, she brought forth her children. As soon as Zion saw that that was their Messiah, she was born again. In one day, make reconciliations for sins and to make reconciliations for iniquities, uncleansedness. Oh, my. <laughs> they did that what was evil, that which was wrong. Reconciliations was made for their iniquity. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's the fourth uh, thing that he come for. The fourth, uh, what he's come to do, to bring in everlasting righteousness, make an end of sin, reconciliation, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. When Israel transgressions had come to an end, when Israel's transgression now we're going to, I want you to catch this because when we bring that woman and the dragon cast out, you're going to come right back to this same scripture again. Be sure to put it down. When Israel's transgression has come to an end, Satan, who is their accuser, and our accuser, Satan will be sealed up in the bottomless pit. Amen. When what? When bringing in everlasting righteousness, something that cannot end, all that cause unrighteousness will be done away with. Let's get Revelations, the 20th chapter, the 13th verse, just a minute. And let's read here just a minute. Revelations 20 and 13. Uh, no, I beg your pardon. Revelations 1 to 3 it is. I didn't see that little mark between it. My perspiration here gets in my eyes. Revelations, the 20th chapter. And let's see. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nation no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that must be loosed a little season. Make an everlasting, bring in everlasting righteousness. Satan in the bottomless pit. And 
when he does that and seals up the devil, which has deceived the people. Now let us turn back to Habakkuk, the second chapter. Habakkuk, the second chapter. And now we're going to see why he sealed up this old serpent and what it was done for and what takes place immediately after he is sealed up. I like this, don't you? It uh, it brings us to a knowledge of something. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the second chapter and the 14th verse, I believe it is. I want to read. When this takes place, watch, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. In other words, when the enemy has been put away, the end of sin has come. The bringing in of everlasting righteousness has come. Satan is sealed up in the bottomless pit and the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters covers the sea. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. It's coming, brother. It's coming. Women will be ladies and men will be gentlemen. When the knowledge of the Lord shall fill the earth and sea and sky, all my heart is growing, crying for that day of sweet release when our Jesus shall come back to earth again. Amen. All right. Now, the millennium then is on. That's when the millennium, when the city is to be built. Fourth, I have about six more scriptures, but we'll hurry. Now, when we come back, I'll pick up these other scriptures, but just get you a general idea. Number five, to seal up the vision and prophecy. The angel come to seal the vision and prophecy. Uh, I hate to say this. But some great writer that I was reading about the other day, if he didn't have that messed up, <laughs> he said what it was, and it's to show how stupid, oh, excuse me, I don't mean to forgive me, I don't mean that, I really didn't, no, a, a, a man without anointing, see, the man said, you see here, that visions and prophecy was always allowed to the Jewish church, and said from Daniel's time on, when Daniel come, it meant that they would have no more vision or no more prophecy. That all these things today that they talk about, not having visions and prophecy, was all a thing of the devil. That there was no such a thing as visions and prophecy. Brother, there were dozens of prophets after Daniel, and there was John the Baptist, there was Jesus Christ. There was a prophet to the New Testament. There Amen. was visions. There was angels. How in the world can a man say that? Amen. But you see, that was a selfish motive to try to push something over on the people to make a little church doctrine, a little petty thing to become a reality to the people. And if the people haven't got the Holy Ghost, they'll be deceived by it. Amen. Now, let's not take what some man said. Now, there's not a scripture to prove that. So how could I take that? Well, let's find out what really is the sealing up. Watch. He come to do that, to seal up the vision and the prophecy. Now, let's just turn right back to the book of Daniel. Where we was at. Over in the book of Daniel, we will find out just what it said. Now, let's turn to Daniel, the 12th chapter. Now, as we get to Daniel 12... Now we can begin and read from, when you go home, I want you to read the first verse on. Let's just read from the first verse down to the fourth. And at that time, Michael shall stand, the great prince, which shall stand for the children of thy people. Now this is at the end time. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since the nation. That's when the Antichrist, this first seal writer, goes forth when he takes place. Even until this time, not in the time that when Titus took the walls of Jerusalem, that was only one place. Watch when this Antichrist, that prince that was to come. Watch when he comes. Even to the same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that's found written in the book. Amen. Amen. 
Thy people, Israel, shall be written in a book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contentment. How in the world could that have been when Titus took the walls of Jerusalem? How could it have been? It couldn't be. See, he's speaking of the end time at the resurrection. Is that right? Now, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn away, that turn many to righteousness, the stars forever. Listen, here is the real true ceiling. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Wow, glory. What is it? Oh, hallelujah. Did you see it, class? This revelation of Jesus Christ and of His power, of His coming, of the end time, was sealed up until this time. That's what He came to do. It's hid from the scholars. No wonder they want to apply sealing it up. That kind of no prophets and everything way back. It won't hold water. But the vision, this vision has been sealed right here now. And that's where I'm placing my faith that God will reveal them 70 weeks. Amen. Seal it up, he said, till the end time. Close up the words and seal the book. Praise the Lord. Until the end time. What do you do to seal up the vision and the prophecy? Daniel had prophesied these things. He saw it in a vision. And the angel come down to seal the vision and to seal the prophecy. They can read it but can't understand it. Until the end time. The end time, what is the end time? The end of the 70th week. When that Prince Antichrist will be revealed at this time, making himself God. How do we know this is sealed up to the time? Daniel just got through. This is the last chapter of Daniel. Sister Simpson told me this afternoon. She said, Brother Branham, I read the entire book of Daniel. I, I just didn't know more when I stopped, got through than I did when I started. Here it is, Sister Simpson, if you're here tonight. I believe I see her sitting over there. I never said nothing in the trailer. I held my peace because I thought maybe I'd get to it. But the vision that Daniel had saw down there where the river was sealed up until the end time. It's, let me just go ahead and read it here. See? But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Even to the end time, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood two, one on one side of the river, and one on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in, in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Now listen. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which is up on the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swear by him that lived forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, time, and a half time. Now we get right, right, exactly. Time, time, and a half time. Now you watch when you get in Daniel 70 weeks, how that comes out. That's when the mystery is going to be revealed. All right. Time, time, and a half time. And when he shall, he, personal pronoun now, the Antichrist, shall accomplish, accomplish, to scatter the power of the holy people. That's when he breaks his covenant in the middle of the week. All these things shall be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Oh, don't you forget that. Until the time of the end, many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. 
And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. The end time message shall reveal it in the last church age. Amen. Gone. Hallelujah. Praise our God. There you are. Hallelujah. Oh, my, it shakes me to think of it. Hallelujah. The mystery. The things that the church world bats your eyes and says, it's nonsense. The mystery of who Jesus Christ was. Not a third person. Not the second person. Not the third person. But the person of God. All these other mysteries of God will be revealed because it's wrote here in this book and be revealed to the end times generation. They can no more sit in seminaries and schools and denominations than the Jews can see Jesus being the Messiah. No wonder they try to think you're crazy. No wonder they think you're foolish. No wonder they can't understand why you don't cluck up with them. Because there's a power and a vision behind it. A word of God that's been revealed in the person order for the rapture in the going home. Yes, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Certainly. Now, what is another thing that will be known? Look at today at the churches. Here it is. I hope it don't hurt, but I got to tell it. Making, in that day there will be an Antichrist rise. Now, remember, when we get in the seals, that Antichrist rides right out over those seals. Daniel spoke of it. You're the prince that would come. He would be cut off. Jesus would to make reconciliations for the people. But that prince that would stand up, that would cause the abominations to make desolation, that was Rome through Titus, and this time it's a prince coming out of Rome will do it. And he will be revealed in the last days. Now listen, making himself God as the Holy Ghost warns us in 2 Thessalonians. The second, let's just go to it. 2 Thessalonians. Then you'll have not my word, but God's word. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and the twelfth verse. Let's see, 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and the twelfth verse. Let's see. Let's begin above that. The seventh verse. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. This is Paul speaking to the Holy Ghost. Only... Only he whom now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who is he here? Does anybody know? The Holy Ghost. He that letteth. And when, then when shall that wicked one be revealed? When just at the time the Holy Ghost is being taken out, which is fixed to leave right now. What's he leaving for? Taking the church with him. Reveal Paul speaking under the inspiration, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, the wicked one, of course, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. We are the greatest church. We have this. We have this. All of it consolidate together. See, we are the greatest lying wonders. And with all... Uh, of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not all the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God has sent them strong delusions that they should believe a lie, should believe a lie, and that they might be damned who believe not the truth but has pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you get it? Oh, my. Now, Paul speaking, the time when the seal of God is being made known, his spirit, his name, his grace, all these other great mysteries that's going forth now, plans for his church to go in the rapture, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost has done this. That's what he's done in the last days. Now, let's see. 
Have we got time for this last one? Amen. The sixth. Anoint the Most High. Oh, my. Here's the one. The last thing he used to do was to what? Now, let's just go back over in Daniel. Find out what all he's to do. Right here. Seventy weeks. What's to be accomplished in his time? All right. Are determined upon thy people and thy holy city to finish transgressions. Transgressions of the people. To make an end of sin for the people. And to make reconciliations for their iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness for the Jews. And to seal up the vision and prophecy to the time of the end. And to anoint the most holy. That's the sixth-fold reason of his coming. Now to anoint the most holy. Now this may be a little bit strange for just a minute. There are many of you teachers. But I just hold it just for a minute. Now see how it comes out. This is the anointing, not of a man. Jesus is already anointed. Is that right? Amen. Uh, the Balka Act said that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. He went around doing good and healing the sick and so forth. Jesus is already, he is Messiah, and Messiah means the anointed one. Is that right? Amen. But here at the end time, he's to anoint the most holy. What is the most holy? To my way of seeing it, which I believe I can prove it by the Scripture, is to anoint the most holy, which will be the tabernacle that will be used during the millennium. Now listen, see why I get it. Described in Ezekiel, the the fourth chapter, the, no, I mean the forty-third chapter, first and sixth verse. Let's go back to Ezekiel and find out how these pictures in the millennium how they will anoint the Ezekiel 43. And let's just read a little bit here now and see what he's going to do in this millennium. Anointing. An Ezekiel 43. All right. And now let's begin with the first to the sixth verse. You read the whole thing after you get home, of course. Just putting down Ezekiel 43. Afterwards, I watch. Description of the temple. That is to be built in the millennium. Now, anyone, any reader that knows that from Ezekiel, the 40th chapter, until about the 44th chapter, is nothing in the world but the millennium temple being erected on earth. Anyone knows that. See, when the glory of the Lord fills it and so forth like that. Now, we're going to just describe the temple in the 43rd chapter and the first to the sixth verse. After he brought me to the gate, even the gate that... Uh, look towards the east, and behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east, and the voice was like the voice of many waters, and the earth shined with the glory, and it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the visions that I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the vision was like unto the vision that I saw by the river, uh, Chidbar, and I fell upon my face, and the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is towards the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house, and I heard him speak unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me, anointing, anointing that temple for the millennial reign. Now, I know in Leviticus, I watch how it was dedicated in Leviticus. Now, if we go back to Leviticus, we find out that Moses anointed the temple. Let's just go back while we're at it. We got that much time. And let's go back to Leviticus and find out when no, uh, uh, Moses anointed the temple. Leviticus, the 8th chapter. Oh, I just love to compare these scriptures to scriptures. Don't you love it? Amen. And then you, you just got a, a, an idea of what, the, of what we're looking for and what we're doing. Now, any of you realizes that 
We're just using the scripture now and then on it. Now, the eighth chapter of Leviticus. Now I've got Mark down here, the tenth verse. Note Leviticus 8 and 10. Let's see. And Moses took the anointing oil and poured anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them and sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all the vessels, both the laver and his uh, foot to this to sanctify them. And he poured anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Moses in the wilderness sanctifying or anointing the tabernacle of worship for the children of Israel when they were in their journey. It was anointed. Now, in Second Chronicles, turn over and we'll see the dedication that when the Holy Spirit took his seat at the tabernacle, and watch what's taking place now. In Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter, and let's begin at the thirteenth verse. Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter, and begin at the thirteenth verse. And it came to pass, as the trumpets and the singers were to make one sound to be heard the praising and thanksgiving of the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpet and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praising the Lord and singing, for he is good and his mercies endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest stood, the priest could not stand to minister by reasons of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Amen. God came into the sanctuary that was to be anointed and was given over to him for the people to come to worship. So to anoint not thy holy place, but to anoint the most holy place. And we notice that New Jerusalem is the most holy place. And the anointing will be upon the New Jerusalem. That descends from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adored for her husband. The anointing will be upon them. Now, when Zerbella dedicated his temple after it was rebuilt, it was not anointed again because it was already been anointed and been torn down. It was just instructed again. The destruction had come to it. It had been instructed again and put up so there was no anointing of it anymore. When it was one time anointed, that carried on through and it goes on till this very time. But when God sets up the millennium tabernacle, he will anoint the most holy. Yeah. Not thy holy, but the most holy. But... When the king takes his throne for 1,000 years, glory, uh, he's over now. Anointing of the Most Holy will be the last thing to take place. When the tabernacle is erected, the resurrection has come. The Jews has returned. Christ and his bride has come. The Jews, 144,000 are sealed. The millennium has taken place. There will be an anointing when the most holy place will be anointed. The holy, holies of holies, and the most holy. When the most holy place is the sanctuary where God lived between the cherubims. And this time, Christ will sit in the most holy place with the anointing upon him. And there will need no sun there, for the Lamb in the midst of the city shall be the light. Amen. The sun will never go down in that city, as old Uncle Jim used to say, and it never will because Christ will be that light, the anointed one. And the king will come and take his throne for 1,000 years to reign. Jeremiah 3, 12, 18 inclusive. Let's read it. Over in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. I believe, yeah, I know the 12th chapter, pardon me. The 12th chapter of Jeremiah, 
And let's begin with the, um, the tw- uh, Jeremiah 3, pardon me. Jeremiah 3, I have written down here where I was studying the Holy Spirit, moving me just from place to place. I just jotted these down the best I could. Jeremiah 3, and then 12 to 18 inclusive. Let's read it. Go and proclaim these words towards the north, and say, Return, thou backslidden Israel. Saith the Lord, and I will not cause my, my cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the stranger under every green tree. That's what they've done from east, west, every nation. See? And ye have not obeyed the voice, my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, listen to this, turn, O backslidden children, saith the Lord, for I am M-A-R-R-I-D. I am married unto you. Our eyes were blinded because I give the Gentiles a chance, but you return, for I am married unto you. And I will take you, one of a city, and two of a family. Not all that calls themselves Jews will go in, but that elected group will go in. That little Benjamin that come up down there before Joseph, that group from out of every nation, one out of a city and out of a family. And I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you a pastor according to thy heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding, and it shall come to pass when you be multiplied and increased in the land. In those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more, the, the ark or the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they, they visit it, neither shall it be done anymore. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, as he'll be there, see? And all the nation shall gather, hallelujah, unto it, and the name of the Lord to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk anymore after their own imaginations and the evil of their heart. Amen. That's when that city will be anointed. That's when the new Jerusalem will be anointed. And all the nations of the city, over in Revelation, the 22nd chapter, it said the gates shall not be closed by night, cause there will be no night there. And all the kings of the earth shall bring their honor and glory into this city. Its walls will be jasper and sardar stone, twelve manner stones, and twelve gates shall be one solid pearl on each gate. There shall be no need of the candle in there. There will be no more sunlight, for the land that's in the midst of the city shall be the light. And he shall lead his people into everlasting life. There will be two trees standing, one on the either side of the river, and they for the healing of the nation. That's that anointed one that will come. The holy city descending from God out of heaven, coming to the earth. Let's take now what will take place during that time. About another ten minutes there. If you want to listen to it, he says some good things. But we'll stop it there for today. Let's have the musicians come. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you get to thinking about summer and we're going to go somewhere or we'll travel somewhere and you plan a vacation and you're thinking about, you know, let's just go and see what it looks like. I think it does us good sometimes to see that's what it's going to be like. That's the eternal vacation. That's where I want to be. That's the place. I, I don't know. There's something in my heart when I see these things. I don't know if we really comprehend all that we're living and all that's happening around us. But it's glorious, isn't it? Let's stand together. Oh, my. Well, I don't know. There's many things we could sing. Tis a glorious church. Do you hear them coming, brother? I think that anointing has begun to fall on the bride in 19... 19- 62, Brother Branham would speak.
end time seed sign and he would talk about how three stars aligned at the time of Jesus and five stars aligned and then he would just make this declaration he'd say the powers of heaven there's a bride that's coming into place the powers of heaven are recognizing her oh if we can see what God is doing he will not be stopped the devil thinks he's going to stop it you can't stop this it's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's by the grace of God. It's by the Spirit of God. Amen. Do you hear them coming, brother? Do you, Do you hear, hear them, them coming, coming brother? brother? 